Greetings, Church. Uh, my name's Alan. Um, as some of you will know, uh, for those who don't, um, I was part of King's Church for a number of years, and then my family and I we planted church in Whitehaven, along actually with other people. Uh, some of the members were from King's Church. Uh, some people from other parts of our region, and actually from um, other parts of the country. Uh, actually, in the end, as we launched Grace Church seven years ago in February. We soon gathered people from kind of all over the place and we've had the pleasure of having Filipinos part of us, Chinese um, members of the Chinese community part of us, uh, people from Africa and South Africa and Ireland and Scotland and Wales and you name it. So, you know, who's, who says that Whitehaven's this parochial little place stuck out uh, right on the edge of the West Coast? God I know is surprising me and um, doing some great stuff amongst us. However, yeah, it's not without its challenges and it's not been without its cost and its sacrifice. But we, I'm just really thankful to God that we um, we started the church and that you guys supported us and helped us in that process. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about church planting. Now, don't switch it off. Okay, <laughs> I know that you're going to go, oh, I don't want to hear about church planting. Not, not, that, not that stuff for the crazies. You know, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to be involved in that. Uh, I'm not really interested in it. But please, please, please don't, don't press pause and don't switch off. Look, I've got my cup of tea. Let's sit down together and look at the scriptures which talk about church planting for everyone. And again, before you get freaked out by it, don't switch it off. Give me a chance. Give me the next 30 minutes to help you catch the heart of why we plant churches and that actually church planting is for everyone. So I know that you've been going through a series on the book of Acts and Paul Mogford really helpfully uh, took me to Acts 16 and said, can you preach on Acts 16, which is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to split the story up because it's quite a lengthy story of how uh, Paul and his church plant team planted this church in Philippi, which is in Greece. So please come with me on this little journey, uh, hopefully, that I'm going to take you through as we look through Acts 16, verses 11 to 40. I'm going to split the story up, starting with verse 11. From Troas, we went out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day... On to Neapolis. From there we travelled to Philippi, which is a Roman colony uh, and the leading city of the district of Macedonia. And when we stayed there, we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river. We were expected to find a place of prayer. And we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Okay, so we know that from other texts in Acts that Paul generally and his team would, when they went to a place for the first time, they generally would go to a synagogue um, or find you know, a, a Jewish people, God-believers, God-fearers, to unpack Old Testament scripture to reveal Jesus through it. But here, it's very different. So Paul encounters a very different scenario. He finds that there is no synagogue. Uh, the likelihood is that, that women went down to pray by this designated place uh, by the river outside the city um, uh, because there was 
probably not enough Jewish men to form a synagogue and you needed that basically in that day. So Paul, Paul went to this place and I guess the question is, did Paul and his friends need a special place to pray? And my answer to that is no, they didn't. We know that what the gospel does, it turns the Old Testament upside down. It reveals Christ as the temple of the Holy Spirit. When the curtain tore in two, when Jesus died, that represented God's presence breaking out of the temple. And then we find, as you will have looked through early chapters in Acts, that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all kinds of different people. That actually Peter, when he preaches the first gospel, towards the end he says look this is what you're seeing this is what this is what the the scriptures have been talking about this is what the prophet Joel was seeing all them years ago he's seeing the Holy Spirit being poured out on all people and not just for now but for the generations to come and we are the generations to come and God is still pouring out his spirit to empower us and equip us to fulfill his mission that he has in reaching people who don't know Jesus So we know Paul didn't need a special place. That wasn't their theology at the time. No, they went as the mobile temple of the Holy Spirit who were on the move, starting new churches, sharing the gospel, seeing people saved, seeing many amazing things happen and communities were formed who then reached their own community. There's not a special place to worship. We are the special place who worships God. We are the people of God, full of the Spirit, who are called to be that temple who worship him. So Paul's not looking for a new way of doing Judaism, okay? This is completely brand spanking new stuff for people. And uh, it's really important we see that. And I think what happens here is that Paul shows us that the very thing people need before anything else is the truth about Jesus Christ, I don't know if you live with that same priority. I don't know if I live with the same priority as Paul sometimes. But it is his priority. The reason being, first first of all, is that he himself has been transformed by Jesus. He has a relationship with the Lord of the heaven and the earth. He's turned Paul from being a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man into a bearer of the news of Jesus, an apostle, which means sent uh, sent out, uh, and a teacher of, of the gospel of Jesus. Jesus has turned his life completely upside down. And not just Paul, but his church plant team as well. So we see that there are another bunch of people that come with Paul, and they're living with the same passion and the same desire. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. And actually, as we see through particularly the book of Acts, but as the New Testament unfolds for us, actually, the church, the people of God, um, have now grown from Jerusalem, now into the ends of the earth territory. And the reason for it, and it's my first point, to try and encourage us to see that we're all involved in church planting is because we're all commissioned by Jesus. Paul was commissioned by Jesus. His Damascus Road experience, that was his commissioning by Jesus. He met the Lord Jesus, the risen Lord. And he said, Jesus said, get up and go and I'm going to tell you what to do next. 
And we see from that point that Paul lives his life living for Jesus. We see that right throughout the book of the, 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 the New Testament, sorry, that believers are commissioned people who bring and share the gospel by starting new churches, establishing them churches, sharing the gospel in their towns, in their cities, in their regions, supporting other churches and church plants in other areas and other nations. We see that this is a, a people um, commissioned by Jesus. And we are no different. Folks, we need to really hear it. We're no different to these early Christians. We too have been commissioned by Jesus because he's chosen us. He's chosen to save us. He's chosen to love us. He's chosen to, to forgive us of our sins. And what that releases is a people together commissioned and sent into this world to share that great message of what has happened to us. See, the commission of Jesus in Acts 28 and Acts 1-8 is, is um, a commission that is to community. It's so unfortunate that we can read um, these scriptures, Matthew 28, Acts 1-8, other commissioning scriptures, and read them with an individualistic mindset saying, okay, I am, I am commissioned, therefore I need to go and do my thing. Sometimes we get to the point where it's like, I'm called and commissioned to do my own thing. But when Jesus commissioned his disciples, that should give us a clue, as in the S on the end. It's a plural commission. And we need to see the commission of Jesus in that context. It's a community commission. The response of the early church to this commission was to go together. Not as lone rangers here, there and everywhere, but going together with what Jesus had called them to. What, what was that? To go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the, uh, in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. They were called to start churches that would do that, that would bring the gospel to those areas and places that they went to. It wasn't separate or individualistic pursuit. It was instead one community. Different individuals, we know, were seen doing different things at different times. But they did it knowing that they were one people, united in the vision and the mission God had given them. And actually, wonderfully as well, they welcomed anybody else who wanted to join in with that commission. That as other people were saved, they became part of it, as we're going to see in the next point. The commission sends us all as a community of people found by God in order to reach communities of people lost to God. That's the heart of church planting. We are a community found by God. We didn't find him. He found us. He saved us. We didn't save ourselves. Nothing we could contribute to it. No, he came and... We all had our Damascus Road experience, even though it was very, very different uh, to Paul, I'm sure. But nevertheless, God intervened. He came, he broke into our lives and he revealed himself to us. And as a community found by God, we are called as his people, not to keep that, not to huddle up and be kind of protective of it, but, but actually releasing each other into communities of people that are lost without God. And the best way of doing that is by starting new churches and actually establishing those churches 
to be churches that do that, that reach their communities. And so the first qualification of everyone being involved in church planting is to know Jesus and to know Jesus as the answer to your world. And that is the answer to the rest of the world. It's the first qualification. The second point about how we can all be involved and what church planting does is church planting extends God's family. The second verses, second lot of verses. So the down at the place of prayer, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia. She was a businesswoman in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira. 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 Aye, that'll do. Uh, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of a household were baptised, she invited us to a home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So here we go. Paul, his team, backed by Jerusalem, backed by the apostles, backed by other churches that had been started. Others sending other, other people, supporting other people to this place in Philippi. We see new Christians. We see Paul commissioned with the gospel that has come from his own personal transformation but others with him as well uh, that share the gospel down by this riverside with these ladies and Lydia and a whole household are saved. What great news, what a great experience to have new Christians when you plant a new church. I know for us in the early couple of years we saw a number of people saved, people coming to Grace Church, we, you know, not Christians but they were welcomed in by some of the things we were doing. We wanted to, um, actually, this is kind of part of the point, in our heart to extend God's family, we were wanted to welcome those lost to God's family. We wanted to welcome people who weren't part of the church. We wanted people to belong in our community before they believed. We didn't want to ram it down their neck and say, you must believe in order for you to belong. We were like, no, we want you to come. Come and see what Jesus is like through us as a community. I could never state that as myself. I could never say to people, come, come, spend some time with me and see what Jesus is like. But I can take great confidence in saying to people, come to Grace Church, come come to our small groups, come for in our walks, our golf days or whatever, whatever we do, our Sunday meetings, come and find out what Jesus is about through us. I've got great confidence in sharing that because that's what begins here in this story. It goes where it's not just about Paul and it's not just about his few companions and fellow um, church planting team. It becomes bigger than that. God's family extends that day when they share the gospel. And for me, sharing the gospel, there's no better way of sharing it through friendship. There's no way better than sharing it relationally with people. Here we see Paul and his team sharing this gospel to a woman who was open and they believed. And we see the startings of this extended family of God, this new church plant begins to grow. And I think we mustn't take our foot off the gas, even though we're, you know, we're in difficult times, in isolation. You know, what's our response? Our response is still to be people who are passionate about sharing Jesus with other people who don't know him. That's what we're here for. 
not as some kind of project focused pursuit after people. And projects are great. I love running church projects that reach and care for people and show the heartbeat of the church. But actually, if we just have those and not have a loving community, then what are we, as we reach out, what are people going to come to? They might reach a few really nice people as they give out food, for example, at fair share and stuff. But what are people going to encounter if they come to King's Church? If they come to Grace Church? I hope that they'd encounter genuine community, genuine friendship, genuine family. Not perfect, genuine. Working things through with each other. Showing the world that when relationships get tricky, that it's worth working it through. Because the world needs to see an alternative. They need to see something different. They need to see Jesus' disciples loving one another, which shows everybody else that we truly do belong to God. So here we see God's family extending. What we don't see is an institution. What we don't see is um, an organisation. We see the emergence of a family, friendships built on openness, vulnerability, depth. This is what builds church. Why do I say that from this text? Well, Based upon what you've looked at in previous chapters in Acts, we see that the early church devoted themselves to apostolic teaching, understanding what has happened to them through scripture. I know they would have been doing that. They would have been sharing, breaking of bread, that, that's a meal together, deepening their fellowship. That word fellowship in scripture, it talks about, a, it's so hard to translate, but it's not talking about, oh, Hi, hi, my name's Alan, nice to meet you. And, and then that continues basically for two years. Or oh, hi, yeah, hi. And we just keep relationships on a superficial level. No, we're talking about the church going deeper into a canonial relation, uh, fellowship with one another, devoted, committed to each other. Them op- that openness, that vulnerability, that depth being built into the church. This is what they would have been doing, praying together. Sharing communion together. This is the community of God now beginning to unfold. Second qualification for all being involved in church planting is be willing to extend God's family. Third thing, and very quickly because we're running out of time. They faced opposition which then led to breakthrough. Church planting is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And because I've faced things I never actually thought I'd ever face and dealt with things I never thought I'd have to deal with. And all the things I prepared myself for (laughs) never happened. Here, we see a little bit of a similar kind of thing. What we find this church doing at the beginning is going to the place of prayer, not because it's special and they're trying to be holier than everybody else, but they're going there to share Jesus. In doing that, they're expecting people to be saved who would then become part of the household of Lydia and this new church plant community, which deepens and extends God's family. But as they go into this place of prayer, the scriptures then tell us, the story goes on to tell us that they come across a female slave girl who had a spirit by which she was predicting the future. This is verse 16. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, Now, at this point, 
I'm not going to do like a weird exorcist voice, but I just I've always been intrigued by this moment. How did it, how did she sound? These men are servants of the Most High God. <laughs> they were telling you the way to be saved. I don't know if she sounded like that, but anyway, that's what she was saying. And she kept this up for many days until finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned round and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left. So Paul casts out this demon and the girl was owned by, by pimps, basically, who were raking in money from her fortune telling. And they get really cheesed off because basically Paul has just sent the demon packing and this girl no longer has this gift to fortune tell. And they get cheesed off and they call in the authorities um, because they're losing money and they lash out and they beat Paul and Silas up pretty badly, it says, after beating them badly after many blows. So this is not a little slip slap with a fish. This is like big time, you know, as we would say here, getting your head kicked in. Um, and this isn't pleasant at all. This isn't good. This isn't good. Would they have woke up that day expecting that? I don't think so. But nevertheless, they get thrown into jail and they're sitting there. And what was their response? Their response was, by the looks of it, from the scripture, is they accepted it. How do we know they accepted it? How do we know they didn't complain? How did they know they didn't want to run at this point and said, ah, this is too much, I'm out of here? Well, it tells us in the scriptures we read on that they were in the jail cell and they started singing. God's people, when they sing through opposition and challenges, show something of their heart. And their heart is, yeah, this is tough, but we're going to trust you. We're going to worship you and praise you regardless. Let me tell you, as we've church planted, we've needed to really press into this. We've needed to really, really get a hold of what it is to really praise God through challenging and difficult times. We then see God acted through an earthquake. They could have run. They could have run. There's been plenty of times I've wanted to run. I've wanted to get the heck out of here. It's too hard. But these, these stories, these real stories, these real accounts of church planting in the past encourage me. And these guys, they didn't run. You know, the jailer fell to his knees after the earthquake because the doors of the prison were just flung wide open. And Paul and Silas could have run and escaped and, uh, and, and kind of headed for the next place, I guess. But the jailer fell to his knees, threatening to kill himself because he's going to lose his prisoners. That's his job gone but it's also his life gone. And they didn't run. They stayed and they shared the gospel again. I think it's a remarkable story. It's a remarkable story of, of, a, of ordinary people like this, like Luke and Silas and Timothy and Paul. Ordinary people. Lydia, ordinary people, even though she was a businesswoman. A household, slaves, servants, children. Ordinary people. The jailer, ordinary person, falls to his knees and they're commissioned by Jesus in that moment to share the gospel again. And you know what? We know the jailer, not just the jailer, but his household were saved as well. And I think it's such a pivotal moment in the life of this church plant. They hit opposition, could have run, could have gone, could have give up. They didn't. They 
they allowed God to outwork his plan through it. And out of it came new converts, came new Christians, new disciples that would have then joined the household of Lydia um, and Paul and, and his crew. And they would have, again, extended this wonderful family that became the church in Philippi. God used their obedience to display his power. Guys, one thing the enemy hates is the gospel advancing, genuine community and people being added to this. He hates it when the church get a vision and get a get a clarity of this is the way God wants to do it. This is we're commissioned people. We're here to extend the family of God to the ends of the earth or to the ends of Cumbria or whatever that might be. We're here to press through opposition to see God's plan fulfilled. We're going to get through our challenges, our weaknesses, our vulnerabilities. Whatever comes our way, we're going to sing through it. We're going to press through on it. Because what we see here is we see a church that then becomes a church established and a book is then written in the New Testament about them. They sang through the opposition. They worship God. Their obedience. Um, God used it to display his power. <clears throat> How can we all church plant from this? First thing, you can plant by staying in ascending church and pray, love and support and give that to your church plant. Some of you did that. Some of you, when we were planting grace, said to us, this is our church plant. We want to get behind you. We want to support you. We don't feel God's calling us to go, like literally move and go and be part of the, the new church. But we want to get behind you in prayer and support you as friends, etc., etc. That is a great way of church planting. Staying in your church and supporting through prayer and friendship and love. Actually, this is how the New Testament saw it. Antioch, they sent Paul and Barnabas. Most of the apostles stayed in Jerusalem but were part of the sending of others who started churches. In fact, these guys are here because of that sending attitude. We're here, but, we're, but be released. Keep spreading the gospel and starting churches. We support, our love and our support if we're going to stay is filled with that truth of being, we too, the commissioned ones, commission others to go. We support with that commission of Jesus and we don't mind sending our best. It's not easy, but we've got to have that releasing heart. Not grumble or complain because your church size is going to be reduced or your worship team is going to be reduced. We've got to think, what did Jesus say? He said to the ends of the earth church. And we need to have that sending heart. Second thing, how we can all plant a church. You can be part of the church planting team, which gets the church up and going. Just like Paul, Silas, Luke, Timothy... They went and then they saw others coming into the mix. And we see in our story today that new Christians were actually caught up in church planting uh, because these guys went into that place to do it. Last point is how we can all be church planting is continue to support the new church plant even after it started. You know, we were strengthened by, by uh, some of you when you came to Grace after we launched. We felt so, actually very alone, very vulnerable it's extremely vulnerable to plant a church. We all felt it. There were about 25 adults at the time. We all felt the vulnerability. And actually, when you came and visited, actually some, some of you came and preached, and, and it was such a great support. But it really 
showed us that we weren't on our own in this. <clears throat> Friendships really helped. Encouragement really helped. Turning up and being there in our meetings really, really helped. And you know what? We've got a number of church plants in our regions. In our region, uh, let me let me encourage you support them. We've got Josh and Nina in in Gothenburg in Sweden. Send them a little message. Encourage them. Say we're praying for you. Ask God. Should you go to Gothenburg to get involved in planting that church? I might have upset the elders at that point, but I'm provoking here. Think. Pray about it. We're all commissioned. Okay. To stay, you know, to go with a staying, go with a going, literally going, but we can continue to support church plants. Listen, church planting is for everyone. Let's be commissioned. Let's know that through our relationship with Jesus, we are commissioned people to extend the family of God and to work through opposition that sees the gospel of Jesus come and the kingdom advance in our towns, in our area, in our nation and right to the ends of the earth. Let me encourage you, King's Church, get shaped and get ready for this as we're released, as restrictions reduce and hopefully we get back to doing church uh, in, in exciting ways as well. Take care.